All right, guys. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Breakthrough Podcast. I'm very excited today because I have a local boy. I have DJ Reggae from Pune, who's on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Reggae. Hi, Rohan. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Now, one thing I must tell you, I was really jealous because I tried inquiring uh, about getting someone, um, you know, like a superpower from the local scene on the podcast because I wanted to kind of have a mix and match between, you know, the guys who've got fame across the entire country and someone who's who's doing super things in 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 the city. And uh, I only got your recommendation. Wow. And all the DJs I asked asked you about, all of them were like, "Dude, that guy knows his shit. He's amazing. He's good. Bollywood me ufarta hai, retro me ufarta hai. He's a legend." No one actually, you know, said ki no man. He's not good. He does that. Everyone just give you ratings. And I went on to look at your Facebook page and checked all the beautiful reviews that people are giving you for your mixes and for your sets. So jealous, but I'm so happy that there's someone in Pune doing something so good. Thank you, man. So very very happy, man. I'm really happy to hear that. It's very rare that people come and tell me this, but now I think the entire world will know that. Reggae is the shiz. He's the bomb. <laughs> no, you're just being nice. But yeah, <laughs> it's really uh, great to hear that from people. You know, we, we come from an industry where uh, it's a lot of competition. So you know, I'm guessing like a lot of people who are uh, my healthy competitors. But uh, so you know, very rarely do they actually come up to you and tell you this. But yeah, thank you. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Great. First of all, tell me what's up. How's it going? How are you dealing with this unreal situation that we have? In fact, you've actually been most active uh, on your live streams, and you're doing it the best. I mean, you're regularly doing your live streams. But what do you feel and how are you coping up with the with the covid issue it's really different one of a kind i think uh, it's very rare that we get to experience this but uh, yeah like you said i i am trying to make the most of it i am trying to do as much as i can learn as many new things that i can kind of work on my music a lot as well trying to cross up into a few genres which i have not been very familiar or active with in the past and uh, yeah i do quite a bit of uh, you know online activity a lot of instagram lives and audio visual experiences and all of that so yeah it's good i'm liking it but uh, it is a hard time though definitely you know as dj's you know used to getting out 6 days a week uh, at least visiting 3 4 bars or clubs a week and uh, of course all the gigs so not doing all of that and coming down to just you know being stuck in your house and just studio and in and out is is really tough extremely tough i mean i'm just going through all my old pictures of all the gigs we did and um, pure nostalgia really really un- unreal situation that we're all in All right. Uh, so, Raghav, tell me first of all, how did you start? How long have you been doing this? And you know, I want to, I want to know your story. I want to so know your journey. How I started. Um, you know, it was just by chance that I, I happened to, you know, be at a friend's thirty first December farmhouse party back in two thousand six, just past okay. out of school, and um, I, I did have, uh, you know, a, f- a bunch of CDs with my favorite tracks at that point of time. And I remember it had stuff like uh, Punjabi MC. and um, i think i think one two of jennifer lopez tunes that were just out and stuff like that and uh, i happened okay. to just uh, you know switch music from one you know those big sony systems used to have with the yeah yeah of the, course the, the three cds yeah and i think that would have yeah that's six series of 15 something like that and it had the main system in the in the in the middle and then two speakers and four speakers on either sides somebody yeah, had yeah. a double setup like that he had two of those systems and then we were changing from one cd one song to another song uh you know so very old school stuff but uh, that's actually how it started you know and that evening just turned out to be a great party and then i was encouraged by that family itself that you know that uh, will you do some more gigs for us and then i actually went on to doing those without any idea or knowledge equipment. of uh, the the equipment but uh, had some friends who were nice <laughs> to me and um, they helped me source that uh, told me the basics and then i actually went in for uh, a proper technical course with abhishek mantri back in 2007 and then from there right. that the whole journey began 
So that's when you decided that, you know, you want to do this as a career or did you plan on studying simultaneously? Honestly, initially it was just for fun. I was just so taken aback by the profession and, the, you know, the kind of fun that uh, you have on the job. And plus, you know, you get to play around with music. So I, I, I was like, you know, what else can I ask for kind of thing? So uh, initially it was really just for fun. But then as as time went on and, you know, the more I did it, the more I fell in love with it. And uh, then I got some good opportunities and uh, I was lucky enough to, you know, actually get those because they were not actually, I, I didn't deserve them at that point of time because I, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no experience, nothing. It was just that I was the right time, the right place kind of thing. And um, yeah, those worked out for me. And here I am after that, I think 14 years now. So what was your, uh, what is your first actual club gig where you actually got paid? So there was a place called Elysium, Orega Park. Okay. I think it's called Yellow Chilies or something right now. It's, it's right opposite Raga Lawns and that whole complex. So okay. I was asked, I was sent by a friend of mine, you know, to just do a, uh, it was a private event. I think it was a college gig or something, a farewell or a freshers party or something. And um, that happened to be my first uh, nightclub uh, experience as a DJ. In fact, that that event was even before I actually got all my technical knowledge, before my real course is when I had actually done this gig. All I knew was just play, pause, fader up and down. And of course, <laughs> how to select a song. I had no idea how to cue a song. I had nothing. No, I had no idea how this guy sent me for this gig. I think it was just an, you know, a last minute thing. So he had nobody else, but he gave me that opportunity. And um, yeah, that's how my first ever club experience happened. And what is your conversation with your family members telling them, you know what, I want to do this. I want to do this full time. This is something that I want to do because honestly, parents are a bit skeptical because if someone's, if their son says, you know, I want to be a DJ, uh, you know, they are, they are immediately thinking all the wrong things. And my son, we've lost our son kind of a a feeling. (laughs) For me personally, I I, I continue to study and I continue to have a job and did it. So they were all fine as long as the money came in. Uh, But for you, when you decided that, you know, let me just do this full time. What was their reaction? So I've had a, uh, it's been a very, uh, you know, adventurous journey. Initially, was okay they just thought you know he's doing it for the fun of it and he'll it'll, it'll fade out in about three four months or you know gig or two or something like that so uh, because at that point of time for my family which is like a, you know pretty i won't say orthodox at all but halfway there kind of thing djing didn't even exist you know so they had no idea what it was they just thought i'd probably you know go for a concert or something and come back that's what i did so when they realized that you know this is a lot of late nights and this is in the whole nightclub space and everything of course that's when the resistance kind of started but uh, i was very sure i think you know when it comes to indians or most of the teenagers the rebellious this is where mm-hmm. the rebellious behavior comes out you say no to something and i'll do it on the double so that's actually i think that's what happened to me then and it happened to an extent where i had once you know i had even left home like i ran away from home are you serious tell us about yeah, that yeah. My dad was, so I was, uh, I didn't do very well in my first attempt in the 12th grade. It was not very impressive. So, you know, my dad was very like, okay, first you have. If you if you say you didn't do well, how much did you score in your 12th grade? Let's have a competition. Oh, listen, this is go on for, a, for a, we have to do another episode on this. <laughs> Just give me the number and, and let's decide if you want to talk about this. Uh, I think I got, I think 61. Great. Not too bad. I got 43. Yeah. Okay. You can go okay. on. I'm glad. Okay. <laughs> so I, I feel better now. So, uh, you know, so the first thing that happened was I was asked to, you know, first, uh, my first, rea- the, my dad's first reaction was DJing has to stop. And anything I would do wrong or I would get caught doing, my first, uh, they knew that because this is so sensitive, it was so close to me. The first punishment I would get was that, okay, DJing has to stop. All these kind of things. If I, I, if I, if I'm overheard swearing at somebody, DJing has to stop. One time it just got to me and I was just like, no, 
I have to do this. I really want to do this. And I just ran away from home. I just disappeared. And then I, you know, the parents then kind of married it and then say, okay, you know, three months more, six months more. <laughs> and I bought myself time. And then, you know, it, it got better. Then it all changed. I think when I, when I got my Thousand Oaks opportunity, I got a chance to assist the resident DJ at Thousand Oaks then. And I think that changed everything because I started doing more right. work. So, you know, the proper like a job, like four days a week, four nights a week. Uh, I had a salary, uh, you know, there was, I had a pattern as in I had a, like a schedule, you know, I know these days I'm home, these days I'm out, all these things. So that kind of started uh, getting me a little more disciplined. I started taking work much more seriously. Also being T-Oaks as a brand and how popular that place is. You know, my family then was okay to send me to a place because they realized, okay, he's going to be working at a popular place. He's going to probably gain some popularity out of it. You know, he's going to benefit from doing what he's doing. Um, and uh, I think that kind of did really help out for me, my scene at home. And from then you didn't stop? Yeah, of course. Then there was no stopping at all. Then, you know, uh, T-Oaks happened and then I was uh, doing a lot of private events. I was I was doing a lot of weddings. That got better. I started doing, you know, some really high profile weddings. I started traveling for work. So in 2011, I scored a gig in Scotland, a Bollywood night in Scotland. Wow. And I, I went there, so I, you know, uh, that worked out. Then I did Hong Kong in 2012 or something. All these things. And I went to Maldives for a wedding. And you know, Thailand happened. And all these things started working out. Then I did UK. I did I did Spain uh, 2017, I think. All these things happened. So then automatically just kept getting better and better and better. And then, you know, or like like you said sometime back, that when you, when you make money and you show the family the money and you're doing well, everything, no matter what you're doing, it's okay. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, talking about Scotland, your first gig you got in Scotland and, and you were just, were you at T-Oaks or was it just a random, how did that so, actually happen? Um, how did you land What happened gig? was, I was I was going to go to uh, London for a vacation to see my cousin. Also, I think I just about, you know, I think I was, I was old enough for, for you know, to travel alone, I think, as, according to my family. Okay. So, uh, my, my my granny was nice enough and she you know got me a holiday to London for about a month and uh, I was just trying to you know just see you know where any Bollywood scenes happen in and around London if I can you know just do a small uh, bit somewhere a performance and fortunately um, when I was looking at that somebody from uh, my cousin's uh, friend list happened to you know connect with me saying that there's this scene happening in Scotland and uh, they're interested you know if you if you want to connect with them you can, we can work this out and that actually worked out wow. and um, so you know my whole scene from London to Scotland that event there everything and then travel back and all these things were then taken care of plus I, I made a, a you know a great performance fee from that uh, I don't know if I should say this you know <laughs> tourist visa <laughs> but yeah, it was a small gig but it was fun it was a proper like a you know uh, British Bollywood night you know when you have people come and tell you can you play some Punjabi and <laughs> how was the experience though how was 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 it more of a of an Indian mixed crowd or was it like uh, an all western kind of a crowd no it was it was um, all that crowd that was there like that evening family. did have some sort of Indian influence so either okay. they're very familiar with the music or they're you know half Indian or whatever it is or you know born and brought up there but Desis so there there was something they okay. see about them because they knew the music they knew of course it was a Bollywood night so there's there has to be something that gets them to the venue, right? So uh, there had to of be course. something they see about it. But I had a lot of, uh, it was a great crowd. I mean, what an experience. I still remember that because for me at that age, at such less experience to still manage to figure what I can play for this crowd um, was a challenge. And I kind of, you know, managed, managed that, which I think is uh, one of my 
a decent achievement for mm-hmm. my, you know my own uh, thought process that what i did that night i remember i said a little pat on my own back for myself you know <laughs> i managed because you know you have no idea what this crowd is you've never played for an inter- international audience um you don't know what music is trending there for them i'm going as per my understanding of what i play here is cool is new is trending you know all these mm-hmm. things so when you go to a country you've not visited before you have no idea of what kind of music or you know let's say example like you have like uk bhangra there's so much in it and you know, the new stuff that yeah, keeps coming out every day which they listen to and you have no idea of so i did a bit of research and you know i found some music here and there but like you don't know what's number 1 on their chart you know this is okay this is there but you don't know if it's trending or not you know all these things and 2011 mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know social media wasn't so active or internet was not so helpful that it will tell you a top 10 list what's being played in scotland right now you know that sort of stuff so uh, somehow okay. i just managed to you know kill that night it was a really good gig uh, the promoters were really happy you know it was all worth it for them because it of course it cost them to you know get me down from london to scotland and then all my performance fee and you know eventually indian dj though i also made a little big deal of it <laughs> <laughs> great man so i think um, you're you're one of the few djs who's doing this really well managing and shuffling well between uh, the clubs in pune uh, doing the club scene and playing the destination weddings and playing the the private parties and the corporate gigs uh, what do you find or what do you feel is different uh, between first of all between corporate gigs and a wedding okay because i think a wedding itself is a very different um, uh, in you know different event itself uh, from a corporate gig and uh, what's the difference major difference between the corporate gig a wedding gig and a club gig so see uh, for, i'll tell you one thing uh, before we get to the differences so for me it was always important that if i chose a profession you know it was my one shot it was it was like my one focus so when i got into djing i knew that this was you know this was going to be my 45 50 year old goal like this is what i'm going to do for the next 25 okay. 30 years so i was very very serious about it the day like you know i crossed that barrier of being serious about it so when that happened there i saw different avenues of you know where all i can play what kind of events i'd like to do and what I, what are the events that i'm going to leave for so in that i was always like driven to the private event entertainment the weddings the corporates all these things also i was very very keen about so i did happen to visit a lot of these events as assistant to somebody else to get my share of experience why this i'm telling you this is important is because when you're standing back behind the scenes you know watching another dj play you see the difference between a club scene a corporate event and a, a wedding you we realize that when you sta- for me at least i realized it when i was standing behind assisting somebody the kind of uh, you know how aware you have to be of the crowd what kind of crowd of you know what kind of music you need to do all these things different different stuff you realize from at least from my starting days i realized and i learned a lot from people who i assisted so you know that's very very important because straight going in and performing for a wedding or a corporate gig could be a nightmare you know because it's it's not like there's a, see, so the difference between clubs and these private events is that a private event is very personal to somebody so it's very important for them to make sure that the music of is course. great so if somebody is hiring me for a private event they trust me with the kind of music that i'm going to play when it comes to corporate mm-hmm. it's fairly easier because you know um i feel that corporate crowd is okay to like just party like they don't care much 
exactly so you know corporate guys don't get to party that often is what you know, they party a lot but like these gatherings like internal gatherings of that particular group of a crowd they don't get to do very often so then you know they like let loose and they like have a blast and whatever happens so corporate guys are fairly easier to handle um when it comes to now different between weddings and club gigs now club gig of course is a mix of crowd people from different you know places wherever they've come from uh, because example pune city it has a lot of mixed crowd and you'll see a bit of punjabi people you'll see a little of the local mm. crowd yeah. you see a bit of you know people who come from outside foreigners all that so you you might get a good mixed crowd in a club most of them know they're all in small small groups so you know everybody's having their own little party so and they and if they've come to a club so. they've come to listen to the music that's being played there is your main idea of going to a club like i'm not going to go to a club and make sure that guy plays my playlist and he's not going to like the dj is not going to play our playlist so mm. that people are okay with in a club when it comes to a wedding right you're playing for them the crowd being entertained and it being an epic night for that couple who's getting married and the family and friends is very important so that is usually my main goal when i'm doing a wedding gig customer satisfaction like the crowd the couple the family the friends have to remember this night for the rest of their lives so i feel like weddings are way way more sensitive than club gigs like you cannot like you know just treat it like as just another gig and you know just are doesn't matter play whatever they don't care they're drunk does not happen mm-hmm. like that of course even, even if somebody does that i doubt like they're going to get a second call from that family or their friends for another event but i take like mm-hmm. my wedding gigs and my destination weddings way more seriously than any other guys i'm not saying that you know i don't take my club gigs seriously so i'll say a wedding if a wedding gig seriousness level is 10 out of 10 a club gig would probably be 8 out of 10 for me you know is i've heard i've heard otherwise i've i've, I've done a bit of a, a research on you and, and some of your few friends have said that uh, reggae for every gig has his own version his own tarka his own um, preparation on for every gig every gig he prepares for something else something hatke though he has to do at every gig and that's what i've heard about yeah, you so i try <laughs> to do that so you know um i am the kinds who wants to keep the crowd entertained by you know a little bit of variety in everything that i do now i don't like see i'll tell you i stick to some genre i do a lot of bollywood i do a lot of re- rock retro i do a lot of hip hop pop commercial i very mm-hmm. uh, rarely get into like big room or you know into sai or dub not my scene then i'm course, i'm yeah. honest about it you know i don't feel like you know i have any of a, i become any smaller by saying that i don't play big room or i don't play sai everybody has their own thing there are some people who don't mm-hmm. play bollywood and they're just as good and you know i don't play their genres and i think i'm fine so uh, but i try to in whatever i'm playing i try to kind of make it different i try to make it more entertaining than usual so i have a few concepts like you know i i do an audio visual set so i try to make those videos more interactive more fun to look at so even if you know if i'm playing at a club and there's it's just kicking off it's just starting off and people just about you know getting the first few drinks they're still getting entertained by looking at the screens you know watching that audio visual bit that's going on so it keeps yeah. them entertained okay. and of course yeah like who has told you that you know, i try to do something different for every gig i actually do because that you know that fire to entertain and you know like get that crowd to like whatever i'm showcasing on that video wall uh gives me a different high so i kind of try and do something different to the other most of my gigs not I, i'll be honest not every gig but most of them 
Great. So, uh, talking about private gigs, I've actually had a fair share of private gigs myself as an event manager. I used to work in an event management company uh, and also as a DJ because the DJ didn't turn up and I was by, you know, by default a DJ. The biggest challenge is, is, is corporate gigs is because everyone uh, thinks that they know their music. Every party, private party has their go-to music person who, you know, is sitting back and ordering all of that stuff. But, uh, and in fact, I've done a couple of private uh, army gigs and uh, <laughs> those guys are the most <laughs> difficult guys to handle. <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty sure you know uh, and exactly with weddings as well so I think this is something which and I've seen a lot of I've actually hired a couple of DJs who who just learned uh, DJing and eventually they are uh, their main DJs and their assistants and they literally did it like a tech mark job you know th- playing a collaborative and you know thinking that everything is done uh, I think um, I want to talk more about this is because if you're doing first of all if you're doing wedding gigs or corporate gigs please uh, I mean the audience if you're doing it please make sure that you're taking some time out to understand the audience understand and the crowd also it's very important to give them what they really need you know a mixture of playing your own music and also giving them what they need and the third and most important thing is actually you know being respectful talking to the people properly I think I mean what do you say because talking to people uh, knowing who your host is knowing who your guest is because you need to have a nice relationship a nice connection with the audience and understand what they want uh, so what do you feel about that because it's very important to understand a clients in fact I have a friend of mine who's, uh, who's, who's a classmate and I just saw a review where he said that you cater to all their choices Choices, all their music choices, and uh, and I think they really, really loved your music. They give you like a five star, four five star rating on your on your Facebook page. So it's very, very important, I believe, to deal with your clients. You know, the right the right word would be to you know understand and talk to each and everyone because every person has a different personality. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's very, very important in the private gig scene because I've been trained. I come from that school of thought where you literally need to make sure that the customer is king with respect to your private gigs and all of those. So yeah, that's just my um, uh, that's just my you know thought on on that. Great. So I mean. Scotland happened and then Hong Kong happened. So all of these gigs, they just happened randomly or you you had someone spread the word or, or did you approach these guys directly? How did you get to play at so many different uh, you know countries and, and especially the music you're going to spend? So how did all of these things happen? So um, Scotland was something that I approached because this guy was an Indian and he's still he's still there in Scotland. He's a friend of mine called G. He needs a house set. Uh, you know, you, you can recommend us. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so this is a guy called uh, Jeet who was there and it was nice enough to, you know, entertain my uh, random inquiry. And um, all that worked out. But what happens is when you're, uh, you know, like I said earlier that, you know, TOX was a big game changer for me. is because the kind of people that used to come there and the kind of networking I did from TOX and beyond uh, really helped me, you know. First of all, get a, get an idea of this is how you network, this is how you should, this is what I should have been doing before TOX also. But anyway, so that happened and I learned a lot from that and I, I took that to, you know, all the gigs that I did. So I think Hong Kong worked out randomly at a gig where somebody wanted a DJ for, I think it was his wife's 40th birthday in Hong Kong that year. And uh, they were nice enough to recommend me because they used to like my music from T-Oaks. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll, why, why not? I mean, uh, I'll just need this much of a fee and air tickets and stay. And yeah, they were more than happy to do that. And that just worked out. Literally, literally over like 15 minutes of a conversation. So it's it's really great. And you, I think over the couple of years, I think you must have obviously got a lot of word of mouth and have a lot of people uh, you know, spreading and, you know, obviously recommending your name uh, to, the, to those kind of people. So I think that also happens Absolutely. naturally. Great. Uh, so tell me about your first, you know, your first clubbing experience. Where did you uh, go party first and what were you doing before eventually DJing? Uh, my first clubbing experience, 
I think um, I think the first time I ever went to a club was I think seventh standard. I was in school and there was a place called Scuba Do uh, at Residency Club. I think okay way back it was somebody's some one of my uh, classmates' birthday and I don't know why but he had it at this, this club called Scuba Do and we went there and you know it was like that cute time where everybody dances in a big circle uh, <laughs> that kind of a scene and I think uh, that was one affair. Second I think I went to TDS another friend's birthday and um, the kind where the party got over at eleven o'clock time. Uh, again, uh, <laughs> early affair. I think, but that was tenth grade or something like that. So these are my first two, you know, uh, experiences with nightclubs. But uh, I think the game changer in this was um, Fire and Ice, Akbar Sami. I think two thousand five okay. was uh, Fire and Ice, Akbar Sami. I went for a gig. You won't believe it. My my dad got me. Passes to that event, and he said, "You know, there's this okay. DJ Akbar Sami. Uh, you want, you want to go? You know, you're, you're, you've been so into what this stuff. Go listen to him." And I went, and Akbar Sami was just killing it, you know. And I, I had no idea of, of the music. Also, he was playing. Now I know, you know, that track was called Boro Boro, and it was that remix. And now I have all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, like you know, I still remember the, the music that he played. Imagine back in 2006, I still remember the, the, for some of the tunes that he played. And um, I was there for a good one hour, I think, because you know uh, we were underage. So, it, and I think it was a it was a mm-hmm. uh, I think a British library event. So I, I don't okay. think they were serving okay. alcohol, and we were already underage. So there was nothing much to do. So after a point of time, after an hour, it got so packed, we were not used to it. So uh, I had to step out. But that one hour, one and a half hour that I heard Akbar Sami play was fantastic. And that I think uh, that took this, that took my love for this uh, profession to the next level. That I have to owe it to that night. Great. And what what exactly would you um, you know? Uh, define your sound as because I I believe you play a lot of Bollywood. Uh, so for me, honestly, uh, I love Bollywood. I really, really love Bollywood. Uh, but for me, I have a bit of an issue with, with with the remixes and the kind of the remixes that come out. So how what is your kind of you know how do you mix and match or what's your secret sauce? Because I've heard a lot of good things about your Bollywood so, sets. So what's your so secret? Honestly, um, I can't put down and define what my sound is. To be very honest, because I play a lot of everything, a lot of everything and uh, but yeah when you're talking about okay. when it comes to bollywood uh, you know all this uh, commercial music i really do avoid playing a lot of remixes unless there's a version that i really love playing you know mm-hmm. um i am more of an original guy like even if i'm playing my, playing my bollywood sessions 80% or 75 to 80% is originals and a 25% will be wow. you know just bootlegs or just slightly groovier mixes not something i you know which just totally changes the whole graph of that song unless i am playing like a, a tech bollywood set so you know or a deep bollywood okay. set then it's purely just remixes but it's because it it fits that groove but otherwise it's simply you know 75 25 to originals and remixes is because see when you're playing at a wedding or a private event people need to know what's coming up next when when they're dancing to some music or when they're singing yeah. along of course, they need yeah. to know what's coming up next you can't suddenly surprise them with something that they know uh, and like you said, you got to know your audience when you're playing for a slightly, let's say, an elder crowd, a mature crowd, and you know that they're not they're not fond of heavy bass lines and you know big loud leads and this and that. They don't need those drops. They're there for the music to just mm-hmm. have a good time singing along, uh, you know, because they're familiar with that music. If you give them something which is absolutely, first of all, is not their scene, 
which is also not you know they're not familiar with it doesn't work out like that like that's what i have experienced a lot like the more remixes remixes people play at least at private events and weddings eventually i mean it gets monotonous for the crowd also when it comes to like originals first of all they know it they know they related to you know the lyrics the dance moves all these things so it helps at least it works much better for me to play originals 75 and 25 you know easy remixes great so you've had like a, i mean what 13 14 years you've been you've been in yeah, the scene 14. right now and i'm pretty sure you've had a lot of accolades you've won uh, an award by red fm for the for the best dj a couple of awards here and there uh, so what do you think has been your key highlight in your career in your short career so far what do you treasure the most uh, in your journey so far i think um yeah the awards have been really uh, encouraging you know uh, even though i mean what there was one i think which was the kingfisher next best thing i think that was 2014 um then there was then okay. recently the my favorite dj awards happened and i was runner up for two years consecutive uh, that was a great push actually because that was on a national level there was no i don't know if the, i don't remember actually if those people had to vote or not or they just checked it from your profile and you know your history of how much work and what gigs you do but i think that's what they did. so that was mm-hmm. great but then the red fm thing was a was a you know that was um a little out of body experience that was that was a really good one because there's what i'd like to be chosen as a favorite dj puna's favorite dj um i won't say i'm the best definitely not definitely not uh, but uh, favorite is something i'd like to be so okay. uh, that but i think uh, the highlight of my career so far i would say was would be my spain performance yeah because that was 100% credit i mean that was totally to my credit in because those guys found me via social media uh, they saw my bollywood experience wow. uh, they saw my private event experience and they got me there to perform for uh, the barcelona indian uh, what do you say indian association and then there was one more called the sauta indian community and you know so these are diwali events for the indians over there but then the point is that you know they they've got the budget they can spend as much money as they want they can get the topmost guys but then for two gigs they have they had me come and play which was a big honor it was a very it was a very very big deal for me you know and um i had you know the thing is that when you go as an indian and you go out and you play for fellow indians there it's a different feeling i cannot exp- i can't put that into words but that's a different feeling it's a, that's a big achievement for me great so since you said you'd like to be everyone's favorite dj who is your favorite dj let us know at least uh, from pune who do you think uh, is someone you really look forward to and who you really like oh that's a toughie yaar i i, I won't <laughs> even pune favorite i rather i'll tell you my overall like indian dj favorites uh, they're not like hardcore commercial or you know magazine cover guys then i i there's so there's two guys there's one guy called dj jasmeet from bangalore or energy i mean you know uh, such an inspiration uh, secondly i would say kilogram dj g kilogram is okay. uh, another one and this is not in any order of credibility okay all equally favorite kilogram mm-hmm. is also big inspiration i mean um, that energy and uh, thirdly i would say uh, there's this uh, dj duo from mumbai Tahir and Elias, and they are uh, by far, I okay. think, uh, the best wedding DJs I would ever find. And I, I had them play for my own wedding. Okay, <laughs> wow. So I had I had to get them down from Bombay, and uh, again, all of these are uh, acquaintances turned friends, and now as good as family. Except not kilogram is. an inspiration but just me and tailas are like uh, really close friends and i i really do get inspired a lot from these people and the kind of work they do because uh, you know they're always like trying to do something different tailas uh, have they've been like the uh, 
kings of the wedding industry but just not commercially you know they do the kind of, you, if you mm-hmm. follow them on facebook you'll get to know the kind of work they do and it's amazing you know nobody travels like those guys do uh, similarly even just me there's amazing energy fantastic music you know so versatile and uh, kilogram to is a legend already yeah. so these three i'd say are my favorites great uh, i've also heard a lot of uh, uh, good rumors i don't know if these are rumors or no but i've i've heard that Uh, you're very, very well in touch and well in sync with what's happening in the market. People say that you have your own khabris. You know everything that's happening. Any anything that moves in the industry, you are the first person to have an idea about it. Is that true? Any 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 truth in that? I have no idea who's told you this, but yeah, it's good to be aware. Yeah, it's always good to be aware. I don't like I don't take action on anything or I don't uh, spread rumors or I don't go gossiping gossiping about it. But I just like to know. Yeah, I mean, why not? So who are your khabris and how are you doing all of this? I can't tell you my khabris. How can you never review your sources? I'm telling you, they're the best sources. Pune. city could have i use series great <laughs> great i've also heard that you love butter chicken and and um, one of the main reasons for your life is is butter chicken is there any sachai in this absolutely 105% because um so you know i i regret not doing this so there was a time when i i realized that everywhere i went every hotel that in the world wherever i've stayed at uh, you know wherever i travel for gigs and wherever i go locally to eat one thing i have eaten everywhere wherever i have gone to date Has been the local butter chicken everywhere. I'm I'm talking Turkey. I'm talking UK. I'm talking Spain. I'm talking Mumbai, Indore. I'm talking Goa. Wherever, even if it's a seafood restaurant, I'm gonna order a butter chicken on the side. And I I just regret that. I said, why shouldn't I? I should have made a Insta page or something called Butter Chicken Wala or some something like that. I would have had like a billion <laughs> pictures on it by now. Wow! But what's this fascination? I don't know. I have no idea. But and you you serve me anything saying it's butter chicken, I will eat it. That's the problem. You give me anything and say, "Oh, this is Hamara butter chicken." Okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> so um, I think it was, it was, it, but it's always been a favorite since since I was a kid. It was very easy for for my parents to feed me by just saying new kind of butter chicken, and I would I would just have it. Sometimes I <laughs> didn't even have chicken, I think. But yeah, I do. I do. Uh, that's hundred percent true news that I I have some fascination for butter chicken. Great. All right. Uh, before we leave, uh, I would definitely like to know um, and get some tips from you. Uh, for all the guys who are listening on the podcast uh, and who want to kind of make a name in both the clubbing scene and also in the private and the and the corporate scene, what's uh, what's your sense? What do you uh, what would you like to suggest to those guys? And any tips that you'd like to give us? So um, there there are a few things I actually want to say. One thing is that um, always try and do something different. Uh, we we have to realize that. most of us you know have the same sources of music i mean the same websites we can download the same mashup packs and all these things so you know you, there is a strong chance that we have very similar sources of music you have to kind of keep yeah. experimenting trying something different even for your audience and even for yourself i mean it will keep you more driven you keep when you put time into experimenting and finding something new and the joy of finding that and executing that is something you have to find out for yourself and trust me you will love it so that's something you have to keep doing you know keep experimenting with new things new genres maybe like i found this audio visual thing because i was done with just playing audio you know mm-hmm. i found this i loved it i i spent a year and a half in my studio every day post whatever gig i used to come back i used to spend it used to be at least be 4 5 am and i used to just sit and do videos and videos and videos and today i have a huge inventory that i can pull off you know a gig till like 6 in the morning without having to repeat a track so um wow. you know trying something different is very important it keeps you and your audience entertained uh secondly when it comes to weddings and corporate events um it's 
I would say it's very important to study or know your audience. If you're doing a private event or a wedding, you definitely have to go meet your clients or the bridegroom couple. You have to know where they come from, what kind of music they're into. You know, don't feel shy to ask them their top 10 songs. I I do it. I shamelessly do it, you know, because when they tell me their top 10, I work the 50 around it. And, uh, you know, don't feel free to ask any questions. Make sure you definitely know your audience, your crowd before you get into a wedding because for that couple, it's a very, very big day. And they'll thank you for the rest of their lives if, you know, you turn that regular night into an epic one. Because anybody can just keep it to a regular or a maza aagaya types. But if you make it epic, they'll remember it, they'll bless you for it. And of course, they're going to tell 100 people about you. Because I get a lot of, lot of work from recommendations. So, you know, uh, okay. a lot of my international work also happens from recommendations. Like, so one Spain gig got me the other one. It was that, it, it wow. works that well. And I'm, I'm hoping to, I don't know if like, COVID now, how, how long it's going to take to disappear. But I was due to going, due to go back to Spain this year as well. Uh, for an, another, in fact, this year I had about three gigs lined up for Diwali. I don't know if that's happening or not, but that's what, uh, so you okay. you know, um, knowing your crowd is very important. Secondly, be approachable. It's very important to be approachable at the console because, uh, you know, how do I tell you that calculation? Where, you know, you should, a crowd should feel comfortable to come and talk to you to come and tell you the requests and yeah. uh, treat you like a friend. If at a private event, you're going to behave like a celebrity, you're not because the celebrity for that day mm-hmm. is the couple right there, right? So you have to be more approachable, yeah. try and, uh, you know, observe your crowd, try and read your crowd really well. So, because uh, weddings are very delicate, they're very sensitive event. It's somebody's big day. And this is what I usually do. Like I do a lot of my homework. I meet the couple. I know them. Um, you know, uh, I'm always approachable. Like there's rarely a time when somebody hesitates to come and give me a request. And I'm very patient about it. That's one very big key. You've got to be patient when it comes to private events. You've got to have a lot of people come to talk to you, tell you, play this. Somebody will act like he knows much more than you about the music. There's always all kinds of people um, in a wedding. So, you know, there's always that some guy will say, now play this. I'm telling you, they'll go mad. But that experience, your experience will, you know, teach you how to tackle that. Now, even if you put 10 people around me at a private event, I don't bother. I don't sweat one bit because of them. Because uh, now I've mastered that art of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. handling the crowd. But, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, what I was saying was, uh, coming back to that, you have to be patient when it comes to these, uh, to weddings and private events. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, if you ever want uh, to know the top 10 places to eat butter chicken, you call me. <laughs> All right, uh, Reggae, that was awesome. Um, thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, thanks for being a part of the podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things that we can learn from you. And we're looking definitely looking forward to getting you on many more episodes. Uh, and definitely let us know uh, your trade secrets and uh, definitely let us know more about how you're doing this so well. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. And I really, really appreciate it, man. Thanks yeah, a lot, bro. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, thanks a lot for having me. It's a big honor actually for me to uh, be on your podcast. It's a great feeling. <laughs> the one, man. Uh, and the fact that, you know, uh, somebody wants to know my story or how I do what I do is uh, it's, it's really a uh, you know it's a really good feeling thank you for having me here cheers bro thanks a lot I'll see you soon yes Ron thank you cheers take care cheers and that was the episode guys thanks for tuning into the Breakthrough Podcast I'm getting mad love from all of you guys from the fraternity continue sharing but definitely consider subscribing following liking doing all that good stuff this definitely helps me a lot 